Welcome to episode 34, live from my drum room. My name is uh, Johnny Amateur. <laughs> it's great to be here with you today as I try to make my way through this. Let's see. Okay. Greetings, Anthony. I knew I'd see you. I hoped I'd see you today. Um, well, let me just share this over to... A few places and we'll get we'll get the show started all right done almost done and shared okay Hi, Beth Ann. I know you're looking forward to this. I, I could, well, you're looking forward to Todd. I saw your note yesterday or the day before. Carmina, nice to see you too. So, all right. That only wasted three minutes. Thanks for your patience, everybody. <laughs> uh, I can only laugh about this stuff. All right. So it's a great honor to have Todd Zuckerman here today with me. Um, an old friend that we go back a long time and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't have to tell you guys what an amazing drummer he is, just a, a spectacular drummer and person and uh, musician and just all around great guy. We had a nice chat as we were testing everything just a little while ago. And and uh, he's he's just such a pleasure to talk with and uh, funny and, and uh, just a great guy in every sense. So, hey, Scott, good to see you on this Sunday. A um, couple of quick things I want to just bring you up to speed on. I know you're all dying to know because it's been over a week since my last broadcast with uh, Ash Soon. And thank you all for watching that one. That was a great one. I uh, had a great time with Ash. So since that last broadcast, um, I'm up to now 755 YouTube subscribers. It's uh, it's pretty mind boggling that, that I've nine. It's in only just a short nine years, I have 755 subscribers. I did the math in my head. That's roughly um, about 70 subscribers a year, which is amazing. If you break that down by the month, that's like five a month, one a week. Um, pretty incredible numbers. So I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll keep going. Who knows? But um, 755 subscribers in a year and nine years. That is something. So thanks for watching today. A couple of quick announcements for upcoming episodes Wednesday, um, this coming Wednesday, the 28th of April, 1 p.m. Eastern time. I will have none other than Stan and Jerry Kiawa of Pro Drum Shop in Hollywood. That is going to be a standout episode for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of laughs to my oldest buddies in the industry. Um, and then Next Friday, the 30th, the last day of the month, we're going to close the month out with a bang. I will have my dear friend, Eddie Bayers Jr., who is the king of Nashville. He is, if Nashville had a king, he would be the king. Uh, and if you don't know who Eddie is, which I, if you're a drummer, I can't imagine that you don't know who Eddie is. But if you don't, do yourself a favor and Google Eddie Bayers Jr. and his Recording credits, his his credits are astounding, nothing short of astounding. You'll be 
floored when you look at and see the body of work that Eddie has accumulated all these years. So I'm very excited to have him next Friday with me. And then looking ahead to May, um, Bill Ludwig III will be joining me. I think Fred and Dinah Gretsch will be with me uh, and a few other guests, including uh, Dr. Steve Gadd later in the month of May. And uh, I was looking at my Facebook memories today, and it was a year ago today that I did my sort of sort of first official one of these shows with Steve on the 25th of April, 2020. Some of you might've been watching that. So, um, hey, Jim Catalano, nice to see you, buddy. Uh, Jim, J-Cat is an alum now. He's a, he's a live from my drum room alum. So uh, anyway, it was a year ago today that Steve and I did this. And, and I think we broke the internet that day. There was something like 12,000 people watching. Uh, but I'll bet you today with Todd, there'll be more than that because, you know, people, Steve Gadd, yeah. Todd's a better looking guy without a doubt. So anyway, um, let me see before I, uh, before I get moving here, I want to just see if there's anything I need to see in the way of comments. I already get a lot of folks watching. This is fantastic. Great. Thanks you guys. I really appreciate you tuning in on this Sunday. I don't know where you are in the world, but here in, in the Northeast and the greater Boston area, the South shore, it's kind of lousy and rainy and dreary. So it's a good day to be inside doing this. I will say yesterday, spent the day with our grandkids again, Fiona and Dylan. It was a beautiful 75 degree day and we had an awesome time outside playing and hiking and doing yard work and playing on the swings. It was a blast. So um, they might be watching today. Fiona said she might be watching. So um, if she is, if you are, honey, I love you. And I love your little brother. And I'll see you soon. All right. Um, I think that's all I have in the way of starting, you know, getting things started here. Um, I promise you when I put this on YouTube, I will edit out all this junk right now that I'm spewing out of my mouth. Um, Oh, Scott. Well, thank you. I just saw your note. I'm glad you liked the camera shot. And thank you for the kind words. <laughs> um, I was going to make a joke about being the goat. But so this, I, I will say it because I, I want to give a thanks to my friends at Zoom, um, David Vi and Scott Goodman. I'm using the Q8 as my webcam and I had some difficulties getting it to work, but I've got this thing called a cam link. Um, capture card that fixed it for me. So now I can use this rather than the, the built-in camera on the Mac. And I, I do like the angle. It gives me a wider angle. The lighting's better. So I'm hoping it translates well for you guys. Um, I'm enjoying it more so, and I'm now able to, you know, uh, record music and, and, and broadcast, you know, something other than just my video into Zoom and into Facebook, which I may do in the future. So anyway, Okay, having said all that, you certainly didn't come here to see me. So I think I'm going to assume my pal Todd Zuckerman is ready, and I'm going to bring him on in just a second. So without further ado, please give a big round of applause to the very handsome, very <laughs> talented, very funny Todd Zuckerman. Hello, John. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, Todd. It's good to thank see you, pal. Likewise, thank you for that uh, that, that beautiful uh, uh, um, introduction there. I appreciate that. 
You bet. And I, I will keep that. When I, when I put this on YouTube later, I was saying I, I just spoke for about five minutes about really nothing at all. So I'll, I'll cut all that off just up until your introduction, which is what. Well, that's great really because, well, you know, we could speak about nothing at all for well over an hour. Easy. <laughs> so maybe, maybe the whole thing just goes in the garbage right now. It doesn't even need to be uploaded. Just edit it all out and we could do whatever we want. I love it. I love it. No, like we said earlier, it's, it's, it's the best way to do it is just keep it organic and we'll just, we'll just chat like two old pals. And, and uh, the, the one thing I, was, I, I have to go, I wish I had time, but I have to get going and um, <laughs> I got a lot to do, but this, this was great to see you. It was great to see you too. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we got to chat earlier, which, you know, which is great. <laughs> I, I have a question for you. I'm, I'm curious to see if we could pinpoint the year. Do you remember where and what year we first met? Okay. Well, I, okay. My, I'm probably wrong about this. I think it was earlier than what I recall. Now I remember we met, we, we were at the guitar center, Vinnie clinic, Vinnie Caliuta oh. clinic before Rare. that. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, that's what I thought. I want to say it was, could it have been 1984? I, and, I, was, I was thinking 83 or 84 at... Okay, Jim DiStefano, our mutual friend, who I met through another friend of mine, Freddie G, who used to live in Chicago. A, now, a Boston guy who had been working at Guitar Center and... I went to my first NAMM show that year, the summer of 84, and Jim was playing, another lefty drummer, was playing with his band, and I feel like he introduced me to you, but Todd, you could have only been, in 1984, I'm certain, were you like 12 or 13 or something? Yeah, ni 1984, uh, let's see, summer of 84 would have been, what, in between freshman and sophomore year in high school for me. Yeah. Um, and it was at McCormick Center or McCormick Place or whatever, where the summer NAM show was. Yeah. Okay. And I had one of the early, you were working with DW, working for DW at the time. I hadn't started at DW yet. I, I, I was. Okay, so when was that? Because you were working. Uh, okay. That would have been, that would have been summer of 87, summer of 87. Oh gosh! It, in my mind, it's so much earlier than that. It's earlier than that. Well, what what I remember is Jim DeStefano introducing me to you and saying, um, "This is Todd Superman. He's an unbelievable drummer. Like he's a he, and and you were you were like this young, seemed very shy, kind of quiet, you know. Well, uh, which you I, still are young. A, I mean, at the NAM show, when you're whatever, 13, 14, 15 years old, you're pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've, you've just, you've just walked into the, the whole, like, uh, you know, the, the Willy Wonka factory with the gumdrop, uh, chocolate <laughs> and everything like that. And, you know, it's, it's a overwhelming experience, uh, for, for a kid, um, but yeah, you know, strangely, you know, not strangely, but ironically, Jim DeStefano would end up working uh, at, at DW uh, years right. later. Um, I know. But I, the one one memory that I have is that I was having an issue with my DW five thousand and two pedal that I used at the time, and you took down my name and number and you sent me like a week later 
uh, a couple extra hinges. And I thought that was such a lovely wow. thing to do for a kid. I've, n- I've never forgotten that. I may have forgotten the year, <laughs> but I've, I've never forgotten the, the, the act of kindness uh, for a, a, a little kid that said, hey, my pedal's c- kind of waggling like this. I don't know what's going on. And, you know, what did I know about hinges and replacing parts and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. you. Oh, man. Yeah, I've, I've I- never forgotten that. That's so cool. Thanks for saying that. Todd. And I, I think you, I think you told me that years later too, that, that, you know, when you had, we met again and, and you'd gone on to great success and, and that's, I, I appreciate you saying that and I, I'm glad you remembered it. And, and it's interesting. I mean, we've, we've all had those, I've, I've had those moments in my life where someone has done, you know, something, just a, a, a small gesture that means so much. Right. And it's one of those things that will keep with us forever. You know, I, I, I think about those little things like that, yeah, somebody sending you something or just, you know, even even just doing some small little favor that that to them might not have really been much to even think about. But to you, you go, wow, you know, you have no idea what that means to me. So, well, I mean, um, that, that's that's something that, um, you know, I, I think if you're fortunate to have had many positive experiences and there's just one act of kindness that you've received from someone or you met a hero of yours and they were lovely. You know, every time you think of them, there's a warm fuzzy in your heart versus if someone's sort of horrible to you. And then that <laughs> is the, uh, uh, the feeling that, that permeates you for the rest of your life. Oh, I know that person uh, comes up or you see them in, in coming from the, you know, a, a drum magazine or something you're like, ah, you again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got to give a shout out to Kathleen Kelly, who's saying hello to you and to me. And, and I want to thank Kathleen and Jeff, because I just received my Kelly shoe package um, this week and enclosed in addition to the, I ordered two um, shoe, you know, composite components for my bass, couple of bass drums. And they sent this nice Kelly shoe mug, which I should have had here with me to show everybody. I'll, I'll show it in a future broadcast but it's really super nice people jeff and, and kathleen at kelly shoes so thank you so much kathleen and let's see we got some jim catalano's watching a, another chicago guy indiana guy i should say but um so jeff, yeah so you're you're still left-handed after all this time after all this time <laughs> Todd, I'm going to let you just run with it today. I, I think that would be the most entertaining for for everybody watching. Well, I mean, would be if if you continue to insist on being left-handed for your whole life, then that's that's up to you. That's on you, pal. Oh man, I I you know this is so it sounds so silly, but you know Kelly laughs when I say this. I'll say, wow, I, I should have just learned right-handed. I should have forced myself well, if I had known. How how hard was that for you? You know, growing up, where you. I'm sure it was maybe virtually impossible to sit in, uh, you know, in, in other situations because of, of, of yeah. that, right? Yeah, it, it, it was always one of those things where, you know, especially when you're young and all you ever want to do is sit in because you think you're so good. So I was constantly, you know, I mean, some people were nice enough to go, okay, I'll, I'll switch the snare drum and the floor tom for you and move the ride cymbals and the hi-hat. But um, then as I got older, Todd, like, for example, if you said to me, Come on, John. Why don't you sit in? And I, I, I'm left-handed. You know what I mean? It's like it's a great excuse to not embarrass yourself. You can just go. <laughs> oh, I can't, man. Sorry. 
I, I, I bet you became a pro at sort of helping the drummer out of kind of doing like a one quick maneuver, like snare floor tom. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> do it really quick. I'll, I'll put it back exactly where it was. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's if the situation is right. We we were on a cruise a few years ago, and they had this great band. Um, you know, we'd see sort of every night, and I got friendly with the drummer, and he's a really nice guy. And uh, Reggie Santos is his name. We're Facebook friends now, and. And uh, he asked me at one point if if I wanted to sit in, and I said, "Oh no!" I I said, "I you know I'm, I play left-handed or something," and and he said, oh, "We can switch the drums around, no problem. We can we'll make it the last song of the night or something." And <laughs> and we had these other friends with us on the trip, and and they were like real excited. Of course, Kelly's giving me the evil, evil eye, like kind of like you had to do it, didn't you? You had to you had to tell him you're a drummer and no but it was so much fun though you can totally relate i'm sure you know it was just do you have the experience i, I had experience boy this is probably maybe six or seven years ago where i had a bunch of people come here uh to the studio for for lessons i had i opened like two weeks and and made a you know facebook post and, and one guy wrote me and he said look i'm left-handed so i set up a, a, you know, four piece kit left-handed. Right. And I don't think that I'd ever sat and played a left-handed drum set. And so of course, after I set it up, well, I have to, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to test drive this thing. Right. <laughs> Boy, it was like, I was recovering from like severe brain trauma or something like that, trying to do the simplest uh, uh, beat <laughs> up the hi-hat. It was crazy. Now, is, is that the experience that you have when you sit at a right-handed kit? Probably not as bad because I did I did start as a, a self-taught 11, 12-year-old on a right-handed kit playing open-handed. Okay. Like like Lenny White and Billy Cobham. And and then at a point, this friend of mine, Fred Klein, who had studied with later on, like we are he, we were the same age, but he'd been taking private lessons at that point and later went on to study with like Alan Dawson and, and Fred Buddha and these great, you know, local drummers. Um, but Fred came to my house one day and he said, um, and I had this, this Sears catalog drum set my dad had bought me. Cause I, you know, I was just learning to play. And so he helped me tune the drums and he said, you know, you, you should really be, you should switch your drums around and play your hi-hat, play your bass drum with your left foot and cross over and play your hi-hat this way. And I didn't, I didn't think to question it. So I did. And, and I swear Todd within, it seemed like a matter of a month. I was, I was so comfortable with it. You know what I mean? It felt so much more normal to play that way than, than this way. And, uh, and, but, but to, anyway, to answer your question, I try, I've, I occasionally will sit down in a right-handed kit just to force myself. I, I usually have one of these two kits set up right-handed in this case, I don't, but, um, and just to force myself to play and I can, I can, do okay with it but i think if i were to actually sit down with a band it would be a very different story you know it would just it would not be it would not be good yeah, and, and i suppose being around so many right-handed kids that you've had you've you've done it before whereas this yeah. is like my first time doing it and it was it absolutely my my brain didn't know what to do <laughs> it, it was insane it was insane like, like an alternate universe you know something i've done my whole life and wait i can't do anything it was crazy because <laughs> it's completely backwards i know i know it, yeah and it's 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 really the the feat because i i you know what when i was a kid when it was too late to play i'd, I'd play on my bed and then i'd put on um uh you know 
Pete Townsend, all the best cowboys have Chinese eyes, or uh, uh, Jeff back there and back, and I I try to play like Simon. Yeah. That way, and of course, it's much more forgiving on a bed because you really, you know, it's hard to screw that one up. Uh, yeah. Sitting down on a on a, on a kit that way is a, is a different story. But I I've done that enough where I could I could do this. But it was the bass drum and opening up the hi hat or playing. Um, quarter notes on a hi-hat or ands on a hi-hat or something like that. That was the thing that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> I yeah, couldn't. no, I, I could totally see what you're talking about. The, it's those nuanced things. I'll, I'll bet you could sit down and easily, you know, play a solid two and four rock beat easy on a, on a left-handed kit. I'll bet you, and you get through it just fine. But, but I think to, like you say, to your mind, you're used to playing all those other things that, would would take a lot, you know, take some time to develop as a as a left-handed player. You know, I mean that's that's a it's like the other side of everything, trying to make all that stuff work. And but it, it it's good that you you had someone suggest to do it that way because yeah. it, you know, for when I'm teaching and someone asks, like, well, should I do do what feels natural and most comfortable? I think that's the avenue to go down if you want to spend the time to play open-handed, not, you know, uh, play over this way, or do I learn traditional grip? I mean, there's no advantage to doing it unless you want to do it. But um, I always say just do work on what comes naturally and, and easiest to you, get that to a high degree. And then if you want to, you know, mess around, then do it. That's great advice. That is totally great advice. Yep. And, you know, I, I did one of these with Greg Bissonette a while back. Did a couple actually, and on the first one we were talking about that, and I said this some of the same things about you know I wish I'd I'd stayed playing right-handed or even just learned, just forced myself to play this way, and and Greg said why who you know like if if it's if if you're comfortable playing the way you play now, and he kind of said made a joke of it. He said you know at our age right now it's too late, just, it's you know that that ship has sailed like just 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 deal with it you know, and he's right I think to some degree it's. You know, I could do it like you say. If I if I just really want to do it, and that's important to me, then I should do it. But I think the idea of thinking there's going to be an advantage to it at this point, I I don't know that there would be other than sitting in and and that sort of thing. I'm not, I think the ultimate goal of anything that we do as a musician is how does it sound and how does it feel. It doesn't matter how you get there. It's just does it sound great? Does it feel great? Yeah. Yeah. If, and it doesn't matter if you hold your sticks, in, you know, like 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 this, it, it, you know, if you're able to play what you want to play and you're able to access the sounds and the feel. Yeah, yeah, that's really the end game. Great, great advice. Great words. And you've, you've got a bunch of great comments and, and maybe even a few questions here. I'm going to just try to scroll through a couple of these quick, quick questions here, Todd. Um, my ex brother in law, Sean is watching uh, a fine young drummer. Sean, actually, you're not so young anymore, but he's just saying he learned to play lefty on my Roto-Tom set <laughs> when Freddie's open. But um, Todd Sedlowski is watching. I mean, uh, Bob Sedlowski is watching. Oh, hey, Bob. And everybody's do you, do you saying- your, Do you still have your Roto-Tom set? I don't. I don't. I, I, I had him in the 80s, but I was a massive Bozio fan. And, and uh, do, you, do you have a Roto-Tom set? No, but of course I had the six, eight, ten, which was uh, the the style in the uh, very yeah. early eighties. You know, because all of a sudden your five piece kit, hey, three more toms, boom. Yeah, yeah, and it and it adds, you know, it definitely adds another thing. You know, it's it's a whole, 
I, I had, I, I kind of went full on Terry. I got, I, I got the, I didn't have the six, uh, the six and eight, which Terry had like every size, but I had 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 mm. and an acoustic bass drum. And I saw him with missing persons and it just was like life changing to me. Like, I, you know, kind of went out of my mind. But. I, I never got to see them, but I remember uh, right when that record came out, I, I want to say that was probably around November 82. Does that sound that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because I, I, I remember my brother coming home with uh, the UK records around 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, you know, anything else I was listening to at the time was just, yes, okay, what's, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? And so I, I just, I, I lived those uh, uh, UK records uh, um, night after night live and, and danger money. And then it's like, boom, yeah. missing persons happened. So it was like, it was, it was a big, Terry chunk of, of time there. God, it was eight, eighth grade, seventh grade. Anyway, somewhere around there. That was, that was, yeah. I, it, yeah, me too. I, I, I think I'd heard some of it, some of what Terry had done with Zappa, but I wasn't a big Zappa fan at that point. I think hearing Vinny was Zappa, not to compare one to the other, but I think I, I think maybe I just had evolved a little bit more by that time by around 1980 or so. And and uh, and was more open to listening to different kinds of music, and and I I really dug it, and it made me sort of go back and like listen to some of the stuff that Terry had done with Frank, but but it was it was definitely missing persons that Brecker Brothers live record, heavy metal bebop. You remember that? I mean, that was that was and but the the Spring Session M record, and then it made me sort of listen to the go. Oh, okay, he played with this band UK, and and uh, yeah, and and I I totally went through a phase of like anything I could get my hands on that he was, that he played on, you know. Um, was that, it was 802, that one as well? Was that something, something 802 was uh, some record that he played on. Oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, Where, where's Victor Salazar when you need him? <laughs> yeah, Vic, Vic will chime in and go, it was this. <laughs> yeah, he'll have a picture of him and Terry holding the record. <laughs> he's, he's the rain man of like, he he knows every record that has ever come out and can speak knowledgeably about it somehow. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, great. You know, he's a, he's a huge, huge Terry head and does a great uh, Terry imitation as well. Oh, he does. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to have him do that. I wish I could, I wish I could do it. Uh, it's, uh, but I can't. <laughs> it well, he's, he's, he's spent enough time with him that I'm sure he can, he could do a great Terry imitation. Yeah. Indeed. Um, Warren, Warren Odes is asking me to ask you, Todd, um, to demonstrate your approach to developing fast, fast 16th notes on the hi-hat. Uh, okay. Um, well, for, first and foremost, uh, lucky I have a stick right here. Um, yeah, we're getting here. I got to get the camera. Right. A, a loose grip with a space in there out here is, is, is to me that that's what I really teach. I don't teach that there's one way to, to hold the stick, but um, the, the second the stick starts getting up into the, the big knuckle, I, I call it the monkey knuckle. Now you're, you're a monkey picking up a hammer and doing this and you've lost any of the ability to play. Uh, I got to get this right here. I got to go in. Mm-hmm. So let me see if I got it. Yeah, actually I got a little symbol right here. Uh, what's this going to do to the audio but 
And that's something I call the, the flag tap snap when, 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 I, when I teach it. But for, for hi-hat, I do this thing I call the, the, the shank tip, which is like what Jeff Picaro did. You're, you're, you're mm -hmm. going in and out like this as opposed to an up and down motion, right? So it's like when a cobra strikes its prey, there's that dip in the wrist. Yeah. And I can do that for a five minute song easy because what my hand is feeling is one and two and three and four and, and I'm getting that extra one and two or one E and a two E and a three with that, that, that dip in the wrist. Yeah. Okay. That's it's an in and out motion and not an up and down motion. Yeah. So that, that's, that's Excellent. the concept. That that's, that's fabulous. I mean, I, <clears throat> there's a couple of songs that, that, I hear, you know, these, these great 16th notes in the hi-hat and I, I never stopped to try to figure out, I just, I, I, I tried playing them the old fashioned way, like you, the wrong way that you just demonstrated why you can't really play it that way, you know, just but instead think, of the. Think, think of Jeff playing, you know, I, I, I keep forgetting with Michael McDonald, something like that, where it's just yeah. so smooth. And when you're doing this, It sounds different than this. Yeah. Yep. Even, even accenting it, doing it whole with the wrist. There's something smooth and sexy and crystalline about doing it that way. Yeah. Um, and it also sounds different playing, playing, you know, uh, right, left, right, left. That's an entirely different sound. So it's it's not only a technique that you can add to make your your time feel better it's also another sound choice if you want it to sound smooth and um slick like that it's, a, it's yeah. another sonic option because when you change the sticking you change the articulation and you change the sound which gets to the whole thing like how does it sound how does it feel that's what matters in the end yeah and and your method definitely is, is a more consistent like you say just it's a, it's a, a silkier sexier smoother as opposed to choppy which anybody would have a tendency to play it sort of choppy if you're just trying to play every every one of those 16th notes just as a as a note you know well it, for me it, anyway especially if you're holding the stick in your hand with that big the big monkey knuckle and you you're, you got your hammer and you're going yeah like a, like a woodpecker that's not a very sexy sound and also you're you have tension going up your arm and can you really keep that up for a four minute song without gnashing your teeth where the, this other way it can go on forever it's the same yeah. technique uh, sorry i keep doing that <laughs> with on, on the ride symbol with the flag tap snap i mean that's you look at any jazz drummer that's a good jazz drummer that's the technique that they're employing on some level to be able to play an up-tempo swing piece for 10 minutes and that's the thing where a lot of rock drummers that, that that i teach they're they're doing the monkey knuckling and they look at someone that can play for 10 minutes and they think geez they got a gift from god or they're so fast or they must have practiced a lot it's not they just figured out the motion yeah, that the, the physical motion of the human body that enables you to perform that task on the drums. Yeah, makes sense. And and also, I mean, and and that method definitely allows for a, a much more of a groove 
just a nice even groove, you know, with all the strokes being even versus, you know, getting, getting 14 of the 16 smooth and the other two being a little, you know, tricky. One of the things that makes it smooth is because you're physically able to do that easily. So none of your, your brain waves are, are concentrating on this Herculean task. Like you're carrying two pails of water up a mountain like, like this. It's you're, you're just coasting here. And now your mind is free to think about what you want to play with the other limbs and your, your brain is free to listen to the other musicians because you're not. Yeah. All your energy isn't concentrated on trying to keep this one thing going this is coasting this is on on cruise control uh and your mind is is on all the other elements of of playing music very important yeah hugely important i uh, that's that's great i i'm gonna take that away and and i'm guessing you just you probably work on that if you're just sitting watching tv or something with a pad and, and even just one stick right just just work on that motion it, it, well, it's funny you say that because I, my stock answer to anyone that asks me about building up their weaker hand, and if you're a right-handed drummer, it's always going to be the left, something that I did when I would come home from school is if I was going to kill part of the afternoon by watching like the last three innings of the Cubs game or something like that, I would pull out the pad and one stick, and it would be like, all right, seventh inning to the end of the game, just the left hand. Wow. And so I would you know, give myself some sort of time frame that wasn't like, I'm going to do this for an hour. I'm going to do this for three hours. Seventh inning, I'll, I'll do this for the end of the game, whether it, it ends at nine or it goes into extra innings, that's what it's going to be. Um, so that was a little thing that I, I would do to try to build up my left hand, you know, to try to get it to a high degree. Yeah. Yep. No, I mean, it's interesting that, um, maybe even the word interesting isn't the right word, but it's, it's, it just shows you, it shows me that somebody like yourself, somebody like Steve Smith, Dave Weckl, Vinny Kaliuta, all these incredible drummers, Dennis Chambers, all say the same thing. You know, there, there are no shortcuts, Steve Gadd, add him to the list, no shortcuts to having the technique that you have. It's like, you, you have to put the time in, you have to, you know, you, you just, you just got to put the time in, and like, as you say, develop those techniques to do those, you know, those motions and, 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 and play that way. But you're not going to get up tomorrow morning and know how to do that without putting the time in. No, I think the, that's a great lesson. John, the, the funny thing about the natural motions is they're not natural to learn. Um, and that's, you know, right before the pandemic, I was really doing a lot of three-hour master classes that were predicated on, you know, Drummers have always been my favorite people and my best friends, and I I want this to be a better ride for everybody. And the more teaching that I did and and teaching it uh, a couple summers at the uh, drum fantasy camp, and I did a couple things over in Europe, some things that I thought were more commonly known weren't. And that's not coming from a a, a place of of arrogance or anything. I just, there are certain things that I thought were more widely known. And as I started to see more and more uh, drummers at, at um, whether they're taking lessons from me or at these camps or blah, blah, blah. I, I saw that so many people were holding their sticks really, really tight in, in the front of the hand or doing this thing the way that, 
you know, a, a junior high band teacher who's really a horn player is teaching their kids how to play. And then that carries through their whole life. Yeah. And yeah. they're, you know, whether it's the, the, the flag tap snap or the, the, the shank tip, which I call that the Hyatt thing, uh, and, and employing that loose grip that's more uh, along the, the, the first joints and, and, and fingertips. It's hard for people that have been playing for, for decades to change, but it's very, very possible. And I have a lot of students that, that have, and it's, it's changed their life. And it gets, you know, I, I keep some correspondence that are just so lovely because I feel like I've, I've, I've made this a better ride for this guy. And, yeah. and, and, it, and it works. And if you put in the time, it's like breaking a habit. If you want to quit smoking or quit caffeine or whatever it is, you ha- there's certain things that you can do. But the funny thing about these natural emotions once you start working on them, and I always suggest getting a, a, a couple cheap mirrors, you know, like they're like six, seven dollars at Target. You know, those, uh, you know, that you put behind a, a, a college dorm room, you know, yeah. things. put them on your kit. The way dancers, every dance hall in, in the world is lined with mirrors to check out your form. When we're breaking a bad habit, we got to we got to check out our form. So if we're if we're doing that. The second you close your eyes and you start thinking about the music you're going to play, immediately your bad habits are going to come back like that. So you have to, in real time, look and go, "Oh, I'm doing that thing again." Yeah. And and open up the your your grip and shoulders down and loose, arms in close to the body. That way, all these muscles are are loose. If you hold your arms out like this, now you're holding the weight of your arms out. These are all the muscles are tense, in loose and spongy. If you're able to do that, then somewhere along the line, your body recognizes this is clearly a better way to do it. It's easier on me. It sounds better. It's smoother. I'm able to play ideas that I that, that had previously eluded me uh, on the drums. It's the same way that when you're a little toddler and you walk like this. Yeah. And somewhere along the lines, you learn a smooth gait and you never walk like this again. It's pretty much like that. If you're monkey knuckling and you're all tense and you're doing one shoulder, like if you all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, your body will recognize this is a better way. And you won't remember that you used to do it the other way. That's great. So that's one, yeah. of the, one of the things I, I, I try to uh, try to teach people how to get from one side of that mountain to the other. Yeah. I think what we're going to have to do at the end of this broadcast is figure out a way to bill everybody that's watching right now um, for this, because th- they should not be getting this for free. <laughs> well, this is all going to be edited out anyway. It doesn't matter. It's all going to be in the, in the cutting room floor. And it's just, gonna, <laughs> it's just going to be like, I got to go. Great to see you. I, I have a thing. Just that, just that part. <laughs> 30 seconds oh, with John and Todd. <laughs> You want to see the good stuff? It's going to cost you twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, I have to read possibly your biggest fans' comment, Beth Ann, who said, "Can't wait to see you guys back out on the road." Like so many have totally missed seeing you. Massively need a sticks fix, and I I was gonna I had made a note of that because I know you guys have some dates coming up. Johnny Rab was on a chat the other day that I saw, and he mentioned that Collective Soul is going to be out supporting you guys on a run of dates in June. I think. That's right. We're, we're doing we're doing one on our own in St. Augustine, and then we're doing eight shows with uh, Collective Soul support beginning in Atlanta. Uh, and it's, you know, 
it's wow. been what? But by that time, it would have been 15 months at home. Yeah. I have no idea what the world that I knew so well, that how it's going to be now. It, I, I really don't know what's, how it's, it's going to be. Um, it's going to be like working on some sort of parallel alien landscape or, or something like that, because I've already had people like, hey, dude, I'd love to see you at the show. And I'm going, I think there might be a no guest policy for a while, you know, which right. I, I know meet and greets are in, unless they've changed that. And I'm usually the last to know anything anyway. <laughs> um, like, oh, should we tell Todd? Yeah, let's, let's tell him at the last minute. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> that's the story of my life. Um, uh, but I mean, I know that the, the backstage uh, staff the venue is going to be at a bare minimum and everyone's going to mm -hmm. have to be tested. So I can't imagine that it's going to be like after the show, like having 35 people. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Yeah. Everyone like the old days. Come, come, right. Come back and, and, and let's have a visit. I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, it will eventually, but, um, you know, I think I'm going to have to have some sort of cut and paste RTF on my laptop. <laughs> all your questions just like, yeah, exactly. Or, or maybe have it be like the signature in your email. Like when you just send a reply and it'll say, you know, I mean, <laughs> the standard. This is, this is a, a, a little insight into the, 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 how I torture myself. Um, it, 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 a little look into uh, my psyche here. Uh, I've already had the thought when I tell people like, I can't get you after show passes. Now, you know, Tommy and, and, and JY, like they're the bosses. If there's someone that they want to see, like management will find a place for them to see the, the person. So I've already imagined my friend that who I've turned down. And at the end of the show, they're watching four people with, with passes being pulled backstage. And it's be like, that Suckerman's such a jerk. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> You said, yeah. <laughs> Management isn't going to find a special place for 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 my guests, but for Tommy and JY, they they will. So yeah, yeah. I, I no, I, be hearing this, twenty twenty two. Yeah, no, I, I. But you're right. I mean, it's going to be so <laughs> right. People will understand. They have to understand because it's going to be so. Just the fact that you're able to get back out and play is so huge, and you know that in itself, I think, is going to make people so happy. And the other part of it, you know, hopefully they will understand, you know, but you're right. I mean, there will be people whose feelings could be hurt because they're huge fans or, or close friends of yours. John, and, I'm not even thinking about the music. I'm thinking about that. <laughs> you know, then there's like, yeah. oh, yeah, there's the music. Oh, yeah, we have to, right. we have to oh, all the songs. And, and, and yeah, OK, we got to get that together right quick. So. Right. So so you got I mean, having not played together for 15 months, you'll rehearse for a bit. I'm sure you could you could probably do a show, I'll bet, without rehearsing. I would bet you you could you it, guys it, could it, get out there and do it. Here, Here's the thing, though. Um, we have played. So much over a course of I want to say, really, since 1999. Oh, basically about a, a hundred give or take shows every year for 24, well, 23 years in a row. 
Yeah. Whenever we would take a break for six weeks, it seemed like a very long time because when you're such a well-oiled machine like that, to, to stop doing it, if there's a weird thing with time that, that, that happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's going to be uh, like riding a bike, but I, I, think it's, we ha- I think we have four days of rehearsals uh, scheduled and our crew just flew to where all the gear was. And thankfully everything was pulled out of, out of the truck and was stored in normal climate. So uh, Carrizo, my drum tech, you know, uh, he called me the other day and said, it's just like, like it was yesterday. Everything's in tip top shape. Nothing, nothing, you know, everything's we're, we're good to go. So Great. that was lovely. But it, it is going to be interesting um, getting together for the, the first day. And I'm sure by the first show, it'll be like riding a bike. Yeah, I'll bet. And Paul, what a great, a shout out to Paul. What a great drum tech. Oh, my I've God. known him over the years. Yeah, really one of the top, top guys. Really great. He, he's, he's not only one of the greatest uh, drum techs, but, but he, he looks after me, uh, you know, uh, as, as, as a friend, as a psychiatrist, uh, uh, you know, all, all, all the ways a, a great drum tech should. And, and, you know, Paulie and I have been together since February of 2002. And, you know, one of the great relationships of my life. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, that's, that's a long time, man. That's, that's pretty incredible. I mean, do, you, do, you, do you know, can you think of any other drummers? You know, I, I know Larry Mullen Jr. has had the same guy since high school. But can you can you think of in, in all your years of uh, guys that have had a tech for that long? The only guy that I could that I could think of that comes close to that. Um, he's no longer with us, but Charlie Watts's old tech, Chooch McGee, was with him for close to 20 years, um, who passed in 2002, sadly. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I to answer your question, Todd, no, I can't really think of. Um. My gosh. Well, maybe uh, like Jeff Jonas, but they, but like Ringo doesn't tour as often and as many dates as you guys do, but like Jeff's been working with Ringo for, you know, 30 years or something, but, but it's very, very unique, very rare that you see that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be 20 years uh, next you year. Take, you out. take very good care of him, I'm sure. And, and as he does you. Well, we'll probably vacation together in Hawaii. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, speaking of great drum techs, um, Carlos Guzman, a.k.a. Los, uh, he said, Todd, if George Travis is still your production manager, just send those people to him. Uh, production? No, George Travis? George Packer? George, he said George Travis, but maybe you meant George Packer. Yeah, George, George Packer's been our, our tour manager since before I was in the band. George, oh, wow. George has been in and out of the organization, but mostly in since 1978. But with um, in, in his breaks with sticks, he was uh, Barbara Streisand's guy. He was Stevie Wonder's guy. Uh, oh, man. Luther yeah. Vandross for a minute. Ma- Mellencamp for a minute. Um, Mariah Carey. So, yeah, George, George is a tour manager to the stars. Wow. I'll say, man, he's yeah. Talk about a again, you know, those a, a good tour manager is is sought after by all like you say all the a-list you know bands and artists like that they go from one to the other and sometimes it's like well we can't have them until this but then we'll get them as soon as he's done with sticks and you know yeah. but, but but they're worth their weight in gold because they have to take care of a lot of issues before anyone knows that there's an issue you want a, a particular demeanor and face dealing with 
airline yeah. representatives or hotel staff, uh, you know, and just, you know, you can always catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. And, um, you know, George has always been, you know, hi, I'm George Packer. Nice to see you, you know, big, big, big smile yeah. and good vibe. And that, that, that goes a long way. It does. It does. And, and I, I know I've dealt with tour, like really good tour managers too, that, and, and it's just, they just know stuff. I mean, they've just been doing it a long time. Like you say, in George's case with all the bands he's worked with going back to 78, it's like you encounter some situation and you or I could be, and you know, we, we know stuff too, but we could rack our brain and he could just go, man, I, I, I got it. You know, I just, I know the person to call to sort that out or, uh, and, and as you say, the, you know, the honey versus vinegar method is always better, you know, than the, the guy that comes in and, you know, at, threatens at, to. At the same time, I have seen George carry a couple people out of meet and greets that, that got out of line. And, you know, all of a sudden, like some dude's gone like that. He just, he picks a guy up and he's out of the room. I, at the same time, I wouldn't want to tangle with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's always that. And by the way, Ralph Angelillo is saying he'll send send you five dollars US for the uh, for the tip. So we're off to a good start. Thank you, Ralph. Hope you're well, man. And Mike Edison, I'll donate some dough to a drummer's charity. We'll take it, Mike. There's two drummers right here that, that will accept your charity right now. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's looking at either of our drum rooms uh, thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you <laughs> My my drum room is just like a little baby brother to yours, man. That I is... have a broken drum head right here, and I need help. Can you send five dollars? Because I'm gonna just keep the pig over this. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Chris Hart, if you're watching right now, you think you had Sunday off, but you don't. You need to get Todd a new bottom snare head. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what, it, what, what one one hit and the bottom snare blew out just like that. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's oh man uh, you got some you got some other some other great comments that you can you can see later john ferraro is watching he says hello hey john um great guy let me see what else too um ralph says he's just joking about the five dollars wait a minute ralph what are you talking about i i, I had that five bucks spent i had the, my 250 of it spent but uh. <laughs> darn okay uh let's see uh, okay, so Anthony Cusina is asking, Todd, what are you currently focusing on to improve your playing, if that's even possible? Um, it's very possible, and it's something I, I, I do work on. You know, I, I, I want to keep playing time better than I do. I, I work on that more than I work on anything chop-wise, although I, I, mean, I, I, I love to blow, but when I, when I sit down and play... I want it to feel as good as I can. And I look at, you know, footage of, of Steve Jordan just playing. And I go, how does he do that? Yeah. that you know, uh, you know, I, I read Robin Flan's Jeff Beccaro book and I went down a whole Jeff rabbit hole and, you know, I'm listening to that stuff and just go, how does he, how does he make the time feel that great? That's the, the stuff that I'm, I'm really trying to, to key into and trying to bring in any sort of, just making it better, a, a fatter quarter note. Um, yeah, yeah. And like I'm, I'm recording Neil Zaza's upcoming record tomorrow. I'm going to try to do 11 tracks in one day from 10.30 to 6 tomorrow. Um, 
So I, I've been working on that. And, and, and thank goodness, it, through this whole pandemic, uh, I've been very fortunate that I've had a, like project after project after project come up. So I'm able to look at something that's going to be being recorded in, say, two or three weeks, and I'm able to, to work on that and kind of carve away yeah. and then record that record. And something has always come up right after that. So it's it's been a very sort of fertile uh, creative time at home, which it, it could have been a, a desolate wasteland of me just looking at the drums going, well, what do I want to do? Yeah, um, yeah. So I've been very, very grateful and thankful that I've had uh, a musical purpose and a musical focus. Um, so that's that's basically how I've spent the the, the pandemic. So um, because I've been doing the the the, the weekly streaming on on Drumeo, uh, I was forced to turn this recording studio into a film studio for that. You know. <laughs> you know, adapt or you'll die, you know, you, okay, you need a place to play, right? You're a drummer. Okay. Yeah. Well, I need a recording studio, but now I need a film studio. So it's been fun working with artists where they, they send material and I'm able to record to their drumless demos and film it and then go, is this the right direction? And then we, we collaborate and we, we talk about it. So by the time the recording session happens, uh, it's, it's go time. Um, there's still always a little room for improvisation if the music calls for that. But, you know, a lot of the stuff is um, rock based stuff where you have to come up with supportive parts to the song. So yeah. we, we carve it away. And then, you know, I, I feel very confident that I'll record Neil's entire record tomorrow in one tomorrow. day. Wow. You mentioned that when we talked about doing this and you said, great, you know, the timing will work out because I'm, I'm going to do this record. I didn't realize you were going to do the whole record in one day. And that is that kind of a normal thing? Do you do you tend to work that efficiently it, that you can do that? It works. It works out that way for 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 two reasons. Um, <laughs> one is I, I, I enjoy working with people that way where I'm able to send them uh, a film and, you know, high res audio of what I plan to do. And we talk about it. You like this, you don't like this, da, 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 da. We get it down. Um, I do not know how to run any of my stuff. If you offered me $1 million to record a single snare drum hit on Pro Tools, it would be my loss. I, 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 I'm not a technophobe, but I don't want to spend my life in manuals. And I see how engineers who know how to run this stuff almost every day there's some sort of wait that's weird yeah yeah electronic troubleshooting and patience are virtues that i was not <laughs> gifted with <laughs> so you remember the beginning of sctv with all the tv sets going out of the windows that, that would be me day two so i employ i've employed uh, uh jr taylor as my engineer uh for guys uh, since since 2007 so you know it's a little bit more expensive to hire me but you get a great engineer you get drop and ready tracks where you don't you can save the money on on, yeah. on their end but if i'm able to do it in one day i actually get to get a little bit more of the the, the payment that less has to go to jr because yeah. i'm able to bang it out in in one day and we're not doing like a three-week well let's move the 
bass drum mic a quarter inch to the left you know there's none of that for yeah hours yeah. And hours and hours so um it's a pretty uh, streamlined and economical way to go that makes perfect sense it makes absolutely perfect sense um and it, and it's probably more efficient to to who's ever hi, uh, hiring you too i mean in terms of like because if it was going to take you three weeks you'd have to charge more money yeah you know you couldn't you couldn't for the same amount of money spend three weeks on what you could do in two days. So, you know, if, if you can, if you can say to them, I'll have this done in one day for you, this is what's going to cost, but I, you know, I have an engineer, you're going to have to pay for him too. That's win-win all the my way engineer, around. My engineer's got five kids. He's not in the charity business, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. his gig. So um, it's, everything is done uh, quickly, efficiently, um, and the, the sounds are killer. I'm really proud of the, the work that, that, that JR and I have been doing um, out of here uh, for other people. It's, uh, well, let's, you answered one of my questions too, Todd, that I was going to ask when, when we were chatting before, before we were live, and I was looking at your setup and you were talking about, um, and I should tell everybody at home that unfortunately Todd's regular Mac is in the shop right now. So his wife was nice enough to loan him hers. <laughs> so he's, he's not at his usual um, you know, viewpoint behind the kit, but that's all right. Cause we're going to do another, I've already decided we're going to do one of these down the road when you get your computer back and we'll, we'll take a, a different look at it. But, um, but I was going to ask you because I've, I've been doing exactly what you said uh, to a much lesser degree, but down that rabbit hole of trying to figure out how to get the sounds from my zoom mixer into my camera that I can stream through a zoom meeting room and possibly onto Facebook, but my band is doing a live stream in a couple of weeks. And I was sort of tasked with figuring it out. The people that are hiring us and they're paying us well, but they just thought we would know what to do. And when they hired us, I thought they were going to take care of it. I was like, oh, no, 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 we're just going to have you guys do it. So we've ended up hiring an engineer, a friend of mine, um, his son went to uh, Emerson College here in Boston. He's a, he's a whiz with this stuff. So um, and and that makes all the difference in the world because I've spent I spent two weeks just trying to figure out how to get the level right to to run it through a mixer to a camera to you know what I mean and get the sounds balanced and mm, I I must admit to you John that um, the technological things I've gone through to turn this into the film studio to do the the Drumeo thing has been so massive the least of which was not having two different crews twice digging up the property to hardwire. Cause I didn't hardwire the oh. studio when, when I first bought it, it's, it's in the back of the yeah. back of the property. So yep. the first line went bad. So then there's another crew with shovels digging up, you know, 200 yards or whatever it is out, out to the, to the, to the street. Every time I was coming out here for a while, whether it was my computer, the airfoil, the Wirecast uh, Blackmagic Design uh, software, the ATEM, or something over here, it was like Jack in the Box. Like, okay, I'm going to power everything up. Which one's going to be? Not working. There's always something that, and I'd be in here just going like, how much money does it take to get these things to work? It just, on 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 right yeah nope nope 
Um, hey, Jr. Victor is. It's it's been it's been unbelievable. So um, yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm very happy to be going back on the road because I think that this might put me this might put me in the nervous hospital. I, I can only imagine because again, I, I'm I'm like a fraction, a tiny fraction of what you're talking about, and I would spend the, like the whole day down here. My my drum room is down the lower level of the house, and I'd come up, you know, at like six o'clock, and I'd say to Kelly, like. Yeah, I still can't get it to work. And she's like, what? You've been down there like since 11 o'clock, you know? And it's like, yeah, I know. I know. I tried this and I tried that and it, I got it for a second and then it didn't. And that's why I love this. You take this, you hit something and it, it works instantaneously. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I'll just, I, I'll, I'll wrap up my little dilemma, but I had this issue where my Zoom camera wasn't, it just wouldn't allow me with, Google Chrome to work as a webcam. So, and, and that was the whole, like the impetus to this whole thing was like, I was going to use my zoom camera as the webcam and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't get it. I can't get it to work. You know, and I'm, and I'm back and forth with zoom and those folks are great. You know, David Vi and Scott Goodman, and they put me in touch with the, a tech there and we're going back and forth. And he's like, yep, I know it's, we're working on that. It's an issue with Google Chrome and there's a, we're trying to come up with a fix. It could be, um, uh, you know, like firmware or some sort of an update. And then this, this guy, Luke Mahoney, really smart young man said, Oh, I think you need a capture card. Um, I'm going to, I'll pick one up and see if that works. And long story short is he, he buys this thing at Best Buy for a hundred something bucks and he tries it on his camera at home. It works. We do a little zoom call one night from you know his house to my house and it's working. And I said, okay, I'm going to come to your house, to your apartment in Boston, and I'm going to bring my, my computer and see if it works. And we plugged it in in his kitchen and it like instantly worked. It was like fixed, just like that. And then I, I contacted the tech at Zoom. I said, well, I tried this card and it, it seems to have fixed. He said, yep, that sounds right. <laughs> I, like, I would have I gone out and bought this thing a month ago, but that's okay. I'm not blaming him. I'm blaming my stupidity, but um no, it's but, just but, but we, we are we're drummers finding our way through this world of yeah things and you know thank thank goodness we have uh cool people at companies or friends that that can help us because if i was left to my own devices it just would never would never have happened but it's yeah it's, yeah it, it's a learning curve right now I'm, I'm excited about getting um i actually had to buy a new computer in the meantime that's supposed to be here tomorrow that i'm going to just keep right there i'm not going to take my laptop that has been problematic uh, the last year or so um, i'm just going to get something new so that stays there so that will be one less thing uh right the the the, the jack-in-the-box uh, factor will, will, will be less <laughs> as to well i know it's not the brand new computer right <laughs> um, <laughs> I love we'll, it. we'll see or or it's going to bring new problems to to the mix I, who, who knows well it remains to be seen but um, it'll be great. We sh we will overcome the technical technological issues. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. Um, well, this is great because you answered a question that Anthony Cusino was gonna was asking um, in terms of how you do recordings at home. So we we actually covered that. That's good. I'm, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, um, it's, it's all it's all right here. There's the rig. Yeah. Black screen. Black mirror. Nice, nice. So. 
talking about talking about sticks, I remember when you got the gig, and I, I looked it up because I in my mind I thought it was around 1996, 25 years ago. And then I, I just happened to look it up on good old Wikipedia, which is usually right. And that is correct, right? 25 years this year that you've been with the band? Yeah, my first tour with them was in 96. I, I recorded, recorded with them in 95. That was my first meeting with them. Yeah. But yeah, the first tour was, um, this began in May 21st, 1996. Wow, man. Unbel- I, it's I'm, I'm my, my son, uh, who I saw yesterday, we were talking about you and you guys share the same birthday. I always remember your birthday because May 2nd. Please, please tell Kelly and everyone in your family, please pass on my regards. I, I will. Thank you. And yours too. And, and, and he, my, my son, who's going to be 34 wow. next week on your birthday was, was saying, you know, he's, ah, oh, I love that guy. He's probably watching or, or said he was going to try to watch it. But, um, but he remembered meeting you. I, I, we, I think, I think you came, we had lunch one day and then I took him and his little sister. They were really little at the time to see a show. And, and even then he was struck by just like how amazing it was. And, and we that, were just saying how it was 25 years ago. Like, that was whatever it was called. Then that was what uh, Mansfield. That, uh, yes, that? it was great woods. I think at the time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so I was going to, so, so it's, it, you know, not to dwell on, on, uh, John, you know, the loss of John, but um, he was such a um, creative, you know, he had some really super creative parts that he came up with for the songs. And so when you, when you got the gig, or I should ask, did you know John? Like, had you guys, I, you I didn't ne- know? I never met John, no. You never met John. Okay. Yeah. I, I only spoke with him on the phone. I'd never met him in person either, but seemed like a really, really nice guy. I, I mean, th- the thing that I always hear about uh, when people talk about John is that he was, they say the funniest person that they'd ever met. And so I've heard stories of, you know, hijinks and uh, things that he did and, you know, practical jokes, uh, you know, that one time they're on a, on a plane and he had stuffed a bunch of uh, toilet paper coming out the back of his pants. So it was a long train. And so he was able to walk through the whole you know, from the back of the plane with the toilet paper coming and, and the whole plane erupts into laughter, you know, it, it's sort of Keith Moonish in a way, except no one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, for, for me, that was kind of the, the weirdest or the touchiest part for me when I got the gig, it, it, I, I wasn't uh, intimidated musically because I knew the music. I grew up with it. I had all the records. Uh, yeah. I was the bands that played this stuff. It was in my DNA and I was comfortable, but there was the notion that there was literally I was the only new guy, Chuck, the bass player, John was his twin brother. Yeah. And, you know, I felt like every time they look back at me, they're not seeing the guy that they were used to seeing since 1971 or in Chuck's case, since literally day one on planet earth. Um, so that was, that was the thing that I, I felt maybe that's how Kenny Jones felt a little bit when he replaced Keith Moon. There's this big personality there yeah. uh, as a human being for the 22 hours that you're off stage that is, is no longer there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. That's a, that's a, a great kind of analogy of the whole thing. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know, I didn't know that he had that kind of a, a you know, reputation of being like a, you know, 
a big personality like that. So you could see that, that, that would, those are, those are some big shoes. Plus, you know, I, you're younger than the rest of the guys and that's, you know, always like a different kind of thing when you're coming into that situation. I have to think too, like you're, you know, you were, they'd been around for a while. They all knew each other and, and you, and you had recorded with them and sort of filled in and then, and how did that come about? Was it through Tommy or like, had you done some work with Tommy Shaw? No, that- the, the, the situation uh, actually, um, I, I had met James Young sort of unceremoniously in the parking lot of uh, dress rehearsals, which was the big rehearsal place in Chicago at the time. Uh, nice little chat. We knew, you know, uh, uh, mutual people and nice to meet you. And boom, that was that, un, you know, unceremonious indeed. Then he happened to be at a wedding <laughs> that I was playing at. Oh, wow. And he came in and uh, he came up and I think we did Snowblind. You know, I'm in a tuxedo, <laughs> right? So those are two things that he had remembered me from. Uh, and uh, there's a guy, Keith Marks, who ran the cartage company for all the session work in in town and so i was doing a lot of sessions and keith you know had the keys to my place and you know we worked together every week he was my guy he was everyone's guy Um, and in this would have been in march of 1995 they called keith because they knew keith works with all the musicians in town and keith had worked with sticks in the 90 on john's last tour in 91 1990 or 91, whenever that was, uh, and worked with a couple of the guys on their solo stuff. And they, they called Keith saying, who should we get? John's physically not well to play the drums. Uh, who, should, who should we get? And Keith said, oh, you got you to call Todd. So that was my in with them. And they were going to record or re-record the song Lady for the AM Greatest Hits compilation. And there was something where... Um, Lady was on Wooden Nickel Records and all the other stuff was on AM. They couldn't get the sound recording, blah, 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 fun music business stuff. So they decided they were going to get together and re record uh, Lady. So I had to go in, like put tape on the toms and, and play like John, play like the original. Yeah. I stuck one thing in there. But, um, <laughs> and then that was it. It was like I was in and out of there and, you know, an hour. Hey, nice to meet you guys. I saw you guys in, you know, Paradise Theater Tour and Killer and, uh, you know, and then, on with my life I went. Then they called me back again in February of 96 A&M was gonna put out Sticks Greatest Hits Volume Two. And this time around they were, not that they weren't nice the first time but there was a much more, um, let's sit around and chat and kind of get to know you and ask you questions of where you grew up and blah, blah, blah. And I, I sensed that I was being vetted uh, mm-hmm. for something, something was up, you know. Um, did did the tune which is a song called little susie and in in my memory anyway i think it was like two days later you know james young called me saying hey we're going to go out this summer would you be interested in doing a summer tour with the caveat that if john gets better the the gig is his and i said well but absolutely of, of of course um and even though i was doing really well you know i was doing like 20 30 sessions a month most of them were jingles that wasn't most you know the most uh artistically rewarding thing but it was exciting and it was fun and it was lucrative i was in my making you know, a living yeah sure 20s, yeah man making a nice living um but i'd yeah. never done a big rock tour much less with a band that i loved as a kid and that i saw i would go yes of course the answer is yeah yes a thousand times yes 
so that was the, the the beginning of you know the summer fling turned into 25 years. I mean, I really, at the end of that tour, when I said goodbye to everyone, I, I, I really thought that I would never see any of those people again. Wow. You know, and it, I, I have to think that going into it that way too, you know, with, with sort of like your, you know, your expectations managed to where like, okay, this could be a great thing for me to have in my resume and a great learning experience, big rock tour, playing sheds, um, I won't get ahead of myself, you know, we'll see where it all goes. Cause you know, we all hope that John would get better and, and, uh, but it's, it's worked out. I mean, so many people are commenting, Todd, I have to tell you, you and maybe oh, cool. you'll take a look at, yeah, see this later. Just like, you know, I, I, I've, I think I've seen you twice with the band, but you're, you're just such, you know, there's so many great videos, you know, that people can see on YouTube and you're just like the perfect fit. And I keep thinking to myself, like, when I was talking about, um, you know, some pretty iconic parts that John came up with, but like, you've made them your own, you know what I mean? You, you, you honored the part, but you also play your, you know, you, you give it your own sort of special flavor too, which is really hard to do well, you know, without changing it dramatically. Well, and well, the, the, the fun thing about it is John was a very active player and didn't have a lot of technique. And I mean, no disrespect when I say that, it's like yeah. one step to, towards that Keith Moon type of uh, unorthodox playing and unexpected crash cymbals and um, interesting bits that aren't, aren't very standard. He, yeah. he was a unique yep. drummer in, in that regard. So they, it was a fun template for me to you know, maybe the way when, when, when Simon played with the who, okay, there's a big, there's a big landscape that, you know, as long as I keep things within the flavor, it's going to work. Yeah. Yep. So I, I could sort of update and, you know, maybe hipping up some of the things from, uh, you know, very 70 centric sound or feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yet at the same time, it's important that I don't yank someone out of the dream. If, if you know, if, if a regular concert, goer buys a ticket and they're going through their high school memories and they're like i don't want to start you know playing you know five over three polyrhythms with flams where it's <laughs> wait what then i'm yanking someone out of the dream the songs still have to it has to, it has to be the same flavor but yeah. things yep. can be a little updated as long as it's not too too much you know so it, it, it was a it was fun for me to uh, work within the confines of that music, as opposed to certain things that has a part, like don't stop believing. If you don't play that part, you're not doing it right. Right. Yeah. You know, yep. That's the part. <clears throat> it's a killer part. You do that part. Um, it, it was a little bit more Keith, Keith Mooney freedom to, 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 to play this music. Perfectly stated. Yeah. I think it, you, you, you said it perfectly. Cause it's, that's the key is like when you put using the expression, yanking somebody from the dream, because you're right. People are going to go there, you know, to some degree expecting to hear a flavor, like you say, of those of those Tom fills that he played. And but again, you, you, you summed it up perfectly by saying, you know, your sound obviously is very, very different. And, and, and to use the word updated, you're right. I mean, because, you know, what John his drum sounded like drum sounded in the 70s and and your drums sound like drum sound today. They're just they're so big. And, and what and I have to tell you, too, I have to compliment you on 
I think everybody, every drummer watching this would agree. You have such a great ear for sound. You, you, your drums always sound. Yeah. Thanks. Beautiful. You're welcome. I mean, I, I've seen you do clinics. I'm, I'm veering off a little bit, but I mean, you know, hearing it through the the arena mix, you know, the sticks front of house guy who's you know going to be one of the best in the business. That's it's always going to sound great. But then I've seen you at clinics too, where you're at the mercy of PAS's, you know, house sound system and house sound guy. <laughs> and and they all, you know, you're one of these guys that like it's it's a lot of it is in the in the, you know, it's it's in the archer, not in the you know the arrow, but it's it's also you know you can t you you got a great ear for tuning your drums and picking the really great sounding symbols that complement what you're doing and. So bravo to that for just being so well-rounded. It's, it's uh, you know, I think every drummer is interested in their sound. I've never understood drummers that don't know how to tune their drums well, or they don't know how to, you know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's your sound. So, I mean, whether I be, you know, playing in a hotel lobby or in an arena, I want, I want them to sound good for whatever it, it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know it seems simple enough, but I think we probably both know, drummers good drummers friends of ours that you know maybe don't pay as much attention to it and 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 but you know and, and i'm not being critical I'm, I'm just saying it's 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 one of those things i would bet you that when you're hired to some degree people are looking for as much the sound of your drums as as you playing them you know they know they know they're going to get a great sounding kit but but you know there's a funny thing with drums and acoustics and microphones and and whatever that on any given day the drum set that you played somewhere on Tuesday night that sounded amazing sounds terrible in the next room on, on Wednesday, or then yeah. you go to one recording studio and it's killer. And then you go to another, and then it doesn't matter wherever you are in this room, the 14 inch floor time goes, Dum. I'm like, Ugh. well, there's a bunch of tape on the bottom head. Now, well, how could it still be going? Dum. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's up to us to figure out, how to how to make it work and how 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 to not only get the job done but how to how to do it great on that day and why does it sound like this because it's friggin thursday there's yeah. no rhyme or reason to things magic magic is and crap is and you, you just you have to navigate the situation why yeah. things work why things don't work it, it, it's 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 a constant battle so i always laugh whenever you know someone comes out with some sort of tuning gadget or something that's it's not gonna it's not gonna fix the age-old problem of harnessing and conjuring and controlling magic versus a nightmare wherever you wherever you go there's 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 no secret that's part of the part of the the the, the mastery of of trying to do this yeah and, and absolutely, I, I love that. If it was the same, if I could just go on a, on a drum dial and go here, perfect. Sounds exactly the same. C sharp every night. How boring would that be? I know. And, and you're right. And it, it doesn't work that way. When you go into, like you say, you go into a different room and it's a low ceiling or it's a high ceiling, or it's got this awful carpeting on the floor and you're playing a casual gig and your drums just sound dead. And yeah, it's all those things that we all, deal with you know it's yeah. you just gotta sound, why does it sound like crap because it's thursday and then next <laughs> tuesday you're like this is the best sounding drums i've ever heard yeah and that's when you say we're only booking gigs on tuesdays from now on 
in this in this room at seven o'clock. That's where we're gonna play. <laughs> oh, oh man. I well, I don't want to keep you too long, but I but I I do want to keep going if you have a little bit more time. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm it's this is a this is a pleasure. And likewise too. I'm, this is so so fun, so much fun. Um you I want to jump backwards a second because you had said earlier, you I thought this was so cool when you were saying, you know, it, playing all the all the cool chopsy stuff and and technical stuff is great but you know right now you're kind of working on your time is there and and you mentioned like jeff and and all these guys that that you know have that have that beat steve jordan is there anything that you could impart on people that that in terms of just like an exercise or something that you do that you feel helps you make like you said make that quarter note bigger make it make it and I'm, I'm actually, I'm asking for a friend, me. <laughs> like, um, if you're, I think if you're relaxed in the mind and you're relaxed in the body, that goes a long way in, in making the time feel relaxed. Um, you know, if you're tense in the body and you're tense in the mind, how, 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 how can the groove come out? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, especially with slower tempos where you could drive a truck in between the bass drum and the snare drum. Um, there's a couple songs I'm doing on the Neil Zaza thing tomorrow. There's one that's six, eight, that's like three. You know, any one of those notes yeah. falls a little ahead. It's blatantly obvious also if you fall too far behind it seems like the rather records slowed down just a little bit so it, it it becomes more important to really nail that stuff and to subdivide it but don't get caught up in the what you know okay yeah it, if if you can feel it and, 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 and breathe in between there, that's going to go a long way, relaxed shoulders down and, and hearing the time. Also being able to sing the time before you're doing it. If you could sing it. Yeah. And yep. group it, sing it. You're going to have an easier time. I mean, it's the whole, you know, like, like Weckl said in the eighties, which is so true. If, if you can't sing it, you can't play it. Um, I, I, I think you can practice your time doing that. You know, if you're driving in a car, safety first, or cooking, and you just sing little things to yourself in, in, in little grooves, you can actually practice internalizing the time better. Um, recording yourself and then being honest, listening back. I mean, it's a, it, it can be yeah. a brutal... You, you know, John, when, when, I, when I got my first Zoom camera and I, I started um, filming shows, I didn't do that to post clips on... Facebook and Instagram for gratification, I thought, here's a cool tool now where I can go right in from a dedicated line out from the monitor board into the Zoom. I can take that and I can watch and not only hear the show, I used to do that with CDs in the old days, but now I can watch and hear yeah. good audio of the show and get better. So I would sit there and I would comb through the show and I'm like, yep, yeah, nope. Like yeah. on the bus after the gig kind of thing? Uh, ho hotel the next day. Hotel. Wake up, yep. have my coffee after I go through the emails, boom. 
that'd be the, the next thing. And it's pretty laborious to watch the show afterwards, but it always has to be the show from the night before. I can't watch three shows ago. I, I, I can't be in yeah. that mind space. But the night before, I remember vividly how I was feeling if, if something was bugging me or I was tense or uh, I was clowning around, whatever. I remember what I was doing. And then I could comb through the whole show. And then the next day, make mental notes. Boom. Next day, watch the show. Yep, that was better. Nah, that still seems sluggish. And I, I view that that's a great tool for me to, to get even better at this. Even though I've been playing a lot of these songs for 25 years, I want to play them the best I've ever played them every yeah. night. Yeah. And then if I could find 58 seconds that didn't make me want to jump off a bridge, I would post that. And then people started liking the, the, the content that I was posting. So I thought, ah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 I know that about you, that, that I could totally see you. It was, it was all in an effort to, to improve like in, in, in your mind and certainly not for gratification, but for, I could totally see that, you know, you, and you probably were pretty hard on yourself too. When you, I'm guessing where most of us would go, wow, that was unbelievable. You were probably going, Oh, what did I play that for? You know, but there's, there's no false modesty here. I'm, I'm, I'm cursed with the, uh, I want to blow my head off about every eight bars whenever I, I, I hear or, or see myself play. Um, so that's why I say, if I can actually find 58 seconds that are like, that's exactly how I wanted it, you know, <laughs> 58 seconds. You did it, pal. Well, you know, that, that's what I'll post because then I'll be like, oh, why'd you do that? Or I'll, I'll hear something and I'll be like, you son of a bitch, you idiot. That's <laughs> starts going the carnival in my mind, you know, um, I, you know, I have, this reminds me of the story that the, that I, I'm sorry, first of all, about that picture that I put up on facebook to announce this chat with you and me and steve gad it's a, it's a lovely picture it's a lovely memory it's a great memory it's a blurry photo but it's a great memory it was a great day and it it, it reminds me of that day at that uh drum festival in the netherlands and it was september 12th 2010 it was my daughter's birthday ah. i remember i remember calling her that day anyway you played that day and you were unbelievable not surprisingly, you were on fire. And Steve and I watched a good part of it from side stage. And then I, I think I got him up to his dressing room at some point. And I, I came back way, and I'm so glad I didn't know that. that <laughs> lovely that you told me that after the fact, but I, yeah. I'm so glad that that was nowhere near my mind when I was playing. Anyway, continue. Well, I, it, it, it was phenomenal. Your playing was phenomenal. You were, you know, everything. And, uh, and, I came back and watched it and I came over and saw you afterward and we were chatting. And I think I, I might've told you then, you know, Steve and I were watching and, and during, while we were watching you, Steve was, and if, he'll forgive me for saying this, but you know, he's watching you and he's going like, I, why am I, this is Steve Gad saying like, why am I even here? Like, how am I going to, how am I going to play after he thought you were so great. He thought you were such a great guy yeah. and, you know, humble and, and all that. And, but, you know, and that's a different story. That's a, that's another thing that we'll talk about another time about Steve. But, he, you know, he that sort of gets in his head when he sees that. And the first thing you said to me was like, oh, man, that was awful. I, I And I knew you weren't looking, you weren't fishing for compliments. You were like, yeah, did you see that part where, I, you know, I, I was going for this thing. And I, I'm like, Todd, I are you kidding me? Like, that was that was like as perfect a performance as it could be. And. Oh. 
But anyway, so I could see that about you, that you, you know, you were probably dissecting everything going like, ah, I'm, what did I do that I'm, for? I'm my <laughs> harshest critic, uh, de- de- definitely. Um, and I'm sort of like the, the Monty Python uh, the brigade of hitting, <laughs> taking the wooden board and whacking myself in the head. Um, but th- uh, thank you for sharing that w- about Steve with me. I mean, that's as big as it gets. My heart just grew two times the size right now. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, that was that was a great day. I, I think we either had a glass of wine or maybe even a, a beer afterward at the end of that. Because, uh, you know, I worked hard that day. I don't know about you, but I, you know, carrying uh, symbols from one side of the stage to the other, if you work up a sweat. I needed uh, something. Much, and all through <laughs> Europe with Steve, right? Weren't you, weren't you on a bit yeah. of a run at that point? Yeah, we were. We were, we were all over the place. That was, that was a fun time. Hey, but, do you remember the last time we saw each other? Um, I'm trying to remember. Was it uh, at a NAMM shit? No, it, I want to say it was, um, boy, was it January of 19 or 18? Uh, at a restaurant called Moza. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. I thought about that the other day. I, yeah, that was the last time. Yes. Yeah, I uh, we walked in. I, I walked in with uh, Harry Shearer and C.J. Vanston, and you were sitting at a table with uh, Rick Murata, Peter Erskine, and Joe Testa. Yes, yeah, we, that's right. And and you came over and said hello, and then I think Peter came over to your table and said mm-hmm. hello to Harry, and and uh, and Rick, of course, felt left out because he was stuck with me and Joe. But that's well, no, no. <laughs> from the movie in my mind. Uh, I, I had never met Rick before, and Rick sort of had the face of, uh, who's the guy c- coming over now and interrupting the, the conversation? He kind of had a little bit of that, <laughs> and I wanted to say, hey, I'm friends with your brother, but I wasn't sure how that would go over. <laughs> He'd say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. No, I, I think I think when you when you left to bring Peter over to, to say hello to, and actually CJ came over to the table too, right? I think he, I, I, I think so. I think because I, I, I was well into my second martini at that point. I, I think. Don't you, don't you love that? I, I miss that play. I hope it's still there. I hope it's still going. I, I bet it's still there. I bet it's still yeah. there. That, that, that was a robbing place. That's a great place. That was always a spot that um, when I'd go out to LA, I'd Rick and I go there and, and Peter too. Peter and I used to go to a place called jar. Do you remember that place? No. In Hollywood. It's on, it's on, I think it might be on Santa Monica. I think it stands for just another restaurant. It was opened by um, the co-creator of everybody loves Raymond. Um, uh, Phil Rosenthal. I think he started it. Okay. So the, the first time I went there was with Rick and the, when I think he Rick was still doing the Raymond show or maybe just after it. And then it was so great. And then I brought Peter there one time and then that became for like 10 years, we would just go there. Every time I'd come to LA, Peter's like, we're, go- we're going to jar. Right. You know, but Moza is just such a great spot. But I, I remember that Todd. And I remember we, it was so good to see you, you came over and said hello. And, and, uh, and then when, you know, we told Peter who you were or rather Rick, who you were and, yeah. No, okay. R- R- yeah. By the way, that that another thing that made my my heart smell smell <laughs> made my heart <laughs> made my heart swell uh, was as I left the table, I heard Rick say like, "Who was that?" And you said, "Oh, that's Todd Zuckerman. He's, he's he's a great drummer." You said something very complimentary as I walked to the bathroom, and I thought, 
allow me if if I may for just a quick second um because that that whole day and night was sort of one of the one of the sort of the greatest nights and greatest days of of my life you know you have certain days where all of a sudden it's just it's magic that day started out for me uh recording two songs for uh with Harry Shearer for the Derek Smalls uh solo record yeah I had played in Phoenix the night before where Phoenix is the only place that has a Lou Malnati's pizza outside of Chicago. So uh, um, Ed, Ed Cherney, the engineer who sadly passed away a year or so ago, yeah. is from Chicago. CJ is from Chicago. So I show up to the session with a big ass Lou Malnati's pizza, right? Oh. Like, magic. How, how did you do that? <laughs> Phoenix the night before. <laughs> do the session is the one and only time I ever worked with Ed Cherney, who was just a dream to work with. He got a killer drum sounds in five minutes, which is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at East West studios uh, in the, in the, it's like the, the jingle room where uh, every TV show you can think of in the sixties or seventies was recorded there. Bonnie Raitt did Nick a time there. It's just a great, you know, and you know, I, I don't know how well, you know, Harry, but he's just a lovely, lovely guy. I, I don't. I think I, I just met him that time, but I, I don't. Yeah. So go, we, we, we go to, to Moza, run into you guys, sit and have an amazing meal with, with Harry and CJ. Uh, and then it was like 1030, the night's over. Those guys are going to split. And I drive back to the hotel, staying at uh, La Park in West Hollywood. And I, I, I get to my room and I'm still buzzing. Like this was just a lovely day and evening and I don't want it to end. So I went yeah. to the bar uh, at the hotel and I'm the only person in the bar. So I'm sitting there with my drink and I'm like, well, this is pretty anticlimactic here. I'm just going to go back to my room. And the bar at, at, uh, at that hotel is on, so it's on like the second level, second or third level. So I was going to go up and I, I press the elevator to go up to my room and the elevator doors open. And it's a guy named Kai Cabot, who's one of our dear friends. He was a, a tour manager for um, uh, uh, Brian Wilson. He worked with Bonnie Raitt and he's been with Lady Gaga for the last eight years. And I mean, he's been like an overnight guest at our house friend. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we both go, ah, you know, <laughs> what, what are you doing here? Um Oh, that's so cool. There. So got, he was there with, with Gaga rehearsing for the, the Super Bowl that was going to happen in like a, a week or two. Right. So he goes, uh, uh, what are you drinking? And I think I had a Jameson's. And he goes, oh, and he pulls a bottle of Jameson's out of the bag that, that he's holding. He goes, come to my room. What floor are you on? Like, you know, fourth floor. So we get off and we we walk down and our our doors were right across the hall from each other. How oh did that happen? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. We stayed up until two 30 in the morning doing damage to that bottle. And like, you know, you woke up, you know, my way, honey, I'm here with Kai. <laughs> and I just went to bed and I thought, what a magic day from the moment I woke up to the, to crawling from this door to this door to, to, to go to bed. So thank you for being a part of that magical day. Oh, I, I remember you, you telling that story and I felt so honored to be part of that day. I, that is a magic day. And that's like, you know, we don't have days like that often enough, but when you do, man, you like that will stick in your memory forever. I know. And, yeah. and, uh, and that's, that's, and, and something to be said for good karma too, Todd, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's some, that's some good payback mojo right there. I think, well, you know, it, it, I think people uh, would agree. 
I, I, I had a good day. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah, take that's as many as anything close to that. I'll, I'll happily take. Yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, just a dinner at Mozart to me was always like that, that all by itself made it a great day. Like that would, I would, I would get through whatever I was going to have to get through when I was out there working, you know, in LA, knowing that I was going to be sitting down at that place, having a martini before, and then maybe some wine during dinner and was that, was that maybe like, a martini. Was it was that was that Highland Highland and Melrose? Is that where that was? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, great, great place. Uh, and Rick uh, knows the owner. Um, it's no longer Mari Batali, but it's um, Susan. Oh gosh, I'm embarrassed to say she's famous, but of course, um, and Rick's friend Tom Caltabiano, who who worked on the Raymond Show as well, like knew Susan, and so you know we got a tour of the kitchen one time when we were there, and. Um, yeah, it's it's just such a great place. It's just it's what a great spot. Mm-hmm. But but Michael White says hello, and I saw a second ago Chris Trujillo had, had said Todd is such an amazing player, such an inspiration to me, a great teacher, another great artist on that top shelf of true real drummers. Wow. Amen, Chris. Thank you, yeah. Chris. Couldn't wow. agree more. Um, well, Todd, I, it's it's getting on to be over an hour and a half now. So I, I've, I've yapped at you for a long time here. We'll, we'll have to I, save some I, of this. For the we we're going to film the entire box set today. <laughs> <laughs> we'll slate the box set and then we'll put it out in increments over the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> really, man, oh, man. It, it, what, what a pleasure. It's great to connect with you. And, and, you know, again, um, you know, since meeting you so, somewhere in the eighties uh, it, it, it's, it's always been, a pleasure. It's great to see your 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 family grow and the the, the everything that you're doing. Uh, Thanks, Todd. Ain't, ain't life grand, you know? I know it sure is, and and I'm and likewise to you too. It, you know, I'm I'm so glad we've stayed in touch all these years, and and uh, and I know going back, whenever it was in the '80s, you know, thirty plus almost forty years ago, and and uh, and to see you know where you are now, and I, and I, I just want to say too, I mean like you have such a presence, such a positive, and it's so obvious with all the comments and all the things people are saying, but you have such a positive. When I saw you on that chat a couple of weeks ago, that thing that um, Dean had done, Dean Kasparian, and, I, and I, I took you by surprise and I said something like, you're next Todd Zuckerman or something like that. And you went like, <laughs> like what? I'm just, I'm just I innocently you, on this. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you made time because I know you, you've had other things going on, but but I, I just want to tell you that 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 you you just have this really great positive influence on on the on the industry, you know, which is right. we just need more of that. Thank you. Well, I mean, I I remember who was cool to me, and I remember who wasn't, and and I, you know, if if I if I could uh, make someone's ride a little easier then that's that's a great thing is what one day we're not going to be on this planet and if someone remembers yeah. you fondly and in, 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 in some sort of bit of kindness uh ripples through to other people i mean that's what what better legacy to leave just as a human being absolutely yeah no amen to that not, yeah not to sound grandiloquent or self-important <laughs> in any way uh but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm deeply touched by that so thank you you're very welcome you're very welcome. I, I just want to tell your number one fan, Beth Ann. Um, she asked me a question. John, have you have? Oh, 
have Todd and Bill Gibson ever met? Sorry, that's I thought she was asking me if I'd ever met Bill Gibson. Have I, you ever met Bill Gibson? I've never met Bill. No, it, it, our paths have never crossed. Uh, well, maybe you guys will end up on a on a show together in the future. He's a he's another like obviously great great drummer and just super down to earth sweetheart of a guy. Yeah, uh, I've 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 uh, you know long admired his playing and heard nothing but great things about him so i'm, I'm yeah, sure cool. everyone that one day our, our, our paths will cross i think so and beth ann if you don't already know this i did one of these with bill last year and you can find it on my youtube channel so just but you'll be forced then to subscribe to my youtube channel so be be warned <laughs> but todd thank you so much man it's so great to see you good luck tomorrow with the with the day of recording Thank you. I, I think I'll be fine. It's the technology that I always worry about. <laughs> I think you'll be fine too. Okay. If you don't mind hanging out just for one more second, I'll end the stream and we'll just, we'll say By goodbye in the, in the chat room. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so everybody, thank you for watching. Big hand for Todd Zuckerman. Awesome. Awesome. This has been so great. I'll bet I enjoyed it more than you guys. And that says a lot. So tune in I, Wednesday. I enjoyed it more than cats. <laughs> Uh, all right. Thanks, you guys. Tune in Wednesday for the guys, uh, for Stan and Jerry from Pro Drum and next Friday, Eddie Bayers Jr. So some, some, and Chris Hart. Oh, Pro Drum Shop. Yeah. That's a, Look at I that. lived, I lived in LA when I, whenever I bought this head, that's how long this has been on the drum that I used the other day. So it's, it's maybe just exceeded the warranty period. I think so. I think, uh, about 25 years. <laughs> Cool. All right. All right. Cool. Everybody, thank you again. Enjoy the rest of the day and we'll see you soon. Stay safe, everybody.